Good morning, Southbrook. I'm glad to be a part of a church that can do a song like that. Aren't you? That is on so many levels, theologically, uh, musically. Uh, I love that. Uh, I'm up here. Give it up for Frank Crockett. Frank is our Christ Formation Group Life family pastor and uh, been at Southbrook since Moses came down the mountain. Uh, he's, he's been here a long time. We have, we have served together a long, long time. Uh, Frank came out of the mental health industry uh, years ago, years ago. And uh, now you lead groups, Frank, and we're in this series that is so you, this series. I, as a matter of fact, when I read Michael Easter's book, The Comfort Crisis, the first person I text was, Frank, you gotta read this book. It's you. It is you to, to not live in your comfort zone. And, um, and so we had planned on doing this for a while, Frank. The, the idea of not being a zoo tiger that lives safe, but a jungle tiger that lives on the edge and, and uh, just one wild and precious life. So you did something a few weeks ago that was intentional discomfort. Some might call intentional insanity. <laughs> but explain what you did a couple weeks ago. So this... Uh... So this summer, I uh, had an opportunity, we were at a retreat, and one of the gentlemen at the retreat, uh, Michael, or I'm sorry, Kevin Dubas, and he's a professional skydiver, and so you get into those conversations, and he says, hey, we should go skydiving, and I'm thinking, yeah, let's go skydiving, and uh, it's one of those things where you're like, at the moment, you're like, and then you're like, what was I thinking, or what was I saying, but at the same time, one of the models that we believe in, in men's ministry is dangerous for good, and it's this idea mm -hmm. of you know, sometimes we just have a tendency to want us to settle. And so one of, the things, one of the ways that we grow is just giving ourselves opportunities to step into spaces or places or experiences that just grow us. And so when he offered the invitation and I was like, let's do this because I think there's something in it for me. I'm not sure what that is yet. I just know that every time I've ever done anything that's yeah. outside my comfort well, zone, so, I grow. So let's look on in that. So we, we've been challenging you to do things to, that intentionally make you uncomfortable. Today, we're going to do a lot of that with baptism. Your brain is designed to keep you safe. So when it feels like, wait, this isn't natural to jump out of a plane, it's because your brain is saying, this isn't natural. This is not something smart to be doing because your brain's design is to keep you in survival. That's what it does. That's why to really do anything that grows you, you have to overcome your brain. That's what you have to overcome. Your, your mind changes your brain. That's what we now know. It's not you're born with this brain. This is the mind you're going to have. How you choose to think literally rewires the brain. So that's why to grow, you have to, metaphorically speaking, yeah. jump out of airplanes. Yeah. Correct? Correct. So this was amazing. Tell us what they're going to see right now. So what, what are they about to see right now? So uh, he called me literally about a week or so and said, hey, check out this book. And I said, well, that's funny. You're asking me about this book because I'm going skydiving. So I actually said, well, let's just take it and let's see what God has for us in it. So we posed some questions like when's the last time you did something that was hard enough that you didn't think you could do it? Or what's the value of stepping outside your comfort zone? And so we, so we had all these questions set up. And so in this experience, you'll see the whole process of how we kind of are readying ourselves. And it's it's a little bit surreal because it's like this intensity, but yet excitement and fear, which I think uh, that's uh, when we grow or we have an opportunity to step into challenging things, that's what happens. We, it's like there's this excitement because of the anticipation yeah. of what's going to happen, but also there's this engagement of fear, but it's in that space. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we have a tendency just to, hey, that sounds like fun, but not, you know, not for me. And I think, man, we can look at a lot of applications, but specifically when it comes to 
like you said, it's really a trust thing as far as stepping into uh, this invitation that God has for us to see ourselves as, as beloved, as whole, as just living out of a different context because of we'll just hold on to what the world says to us about what that is. And we have a tendency to kind of, and I, actually the term I like to use, we get comfortably destructive where we oh, almost kind of get to this space where it's that's, like. That's America. Yeah, it is. It's, and so, so man, uh, our faith step of stepping into a place by gaining a greater understanding about how God sees you and living out of that, that's baptism. Yeah. And I'm not sure what holds us back a lot of times. Maybe it's fear. Uh, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's just unknown. But I think letting go and letting God. And I will tell you in the video, something that I noticed afterwards was the community of skydivers and their attitudes and their zest and their zeal for living and life. And then they take care of each other. They're all in the plane, and they're like, hey, let me make sure this is good. No, they're not saying, hey, good. get off yeah. my back. You know, what are you checking me out for? No, they're <laughs> yeah. like, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for getting my yeah. back. Thank you, thank you for checking yeah. me out, which I think, you know, that's a part of the community in Christ. What are we doing to help each other mm. to get to that space where we get to live whole and we live to get free? And, uh, and I just think, you know, so baptism really is me stepping into a greater understanding of how God sees me. And well, so, you, you know, last week Austin ended with the whole thing about the Normandy invasion dependent upon those 18 to 20-year-olds saying, I'm jumping out of this plane. I'm jumping out of this boat. And I know that, that you are here today, some of you are here today, and you know you need to jump. <laughs> you know you need to take this step. Watch this video. Watch this video. It's real short. It's not very long. <laughs> my first thought was as far as when's the last time I did something so hard that I didn't think I could do it uh, man I, it's been a long time and I, I, I don't think there's too many things that I've put myself out there that much that you know was that hard well as a member of Team Fast Tracks, we get challenged quite a bit. There have been many times where I've been put in situations where I wasn't sure that I was gonna be able to do a, a specific jump, but I've never really backed out of them. I just keep pushing forward, just keep really, uh, just found that you can always dig deeper and find the courage to do the things that you may not think you can do. When I met my wife and we were getting serious, she said that she wanted another child. She had her son very young. I had already had my two kids, was um, fixed, and knew what I'd have to do to be able to do that. And I promised her that I would. So when we got married, I had the operation to have children again. And uh, by a miracle, our son was born. Uh, why do I think doing something outside my comfort zone is important? Probably just because I think most of the time we'll just settle and get comfortable, maybe get discontent. And so I think sometimes doing something that's challenging or maybe a little dangerous, it takes you beyond where you thought you could go. And then uh, there's a sense of uh, fear, but a sense of, man, that was cool. That was fun. And so I think it, it grows us. To have that sort of challenge and to push yourself farther than you think you can, um, it's important to get to the next step. It's more important as I've gotten older because my risk taking has really gone down and I don't want that to continue as I get older. So having the opportunity to do this is getting me way out of my comfort zone. I think stepping in sometimes to opportunities to grow emotionally or grow spiritually and the value of getting outside your comfort zone pushes you to grow. And so after I do it, we'll see what uh, God has for me in this and what I'm learning about myself and the world around me, but also personally challenging myself.
knowing I was going to be the first one out of our group was a little intimidating, but you just scoot up there and you're right at the edge of the plane and he goes go and you just fall out. And that first adrenaline rush as you're coming out of the plane and the air's hitting you in the face. Oh my goodness. It was just absolutely amazing and I would make sure that I try to get as many guys next year to do it. So I'm scheduled to have a stress test on Wednesday. I would rather skydive than have that stress test myself. So that, can I replace that? Can I replace the, the stress test with a skydive? Uh, wow. Hey, Wait, everybody I, give it up. To, so listen, so when you jump out of a plane, which is a couple things. One, uh, it's on the edge of the baptistry. You just got to step out yeah, that's and right. step in that's right. and discover what God has for you in that. Some people look at it as an end. It's a beginning. It's who I am, and this is, I'm yeah. making a statement with that, and so you have that opportunity today. For all that you've already registered, man, great, but man, there's an opportunity, and you're going to talk some more about that, but I do have to explain. So when you jump out of the plane, they want you to pull your head back, and they want you to pull your legs back, and I am just, I have never been very flexible, so my head's on there, <laughs> and he's got the GoPro, and he's like, look, I, w I don't want to get a picture of the top of your head, I want to get, so he's pulling uh, my head okay. back. <laughs> so, so that's, that's why. Well, and when, when we baptize and when you're going you, we'll push your head down. <laughs> okay, we'll push your head down. That's right. Yeah. When you're going well, 120 miles so, an hour, too, so, you're skidding. So, uh, great analogy, great lesson. Uh, we'll never forget that. Um, one of the questions you ask the guys is, what Marvel superhero yeah. did that make you feel like? So what Marvel superhero did that make you feel like? Uh, Iron Man, for sure. <laughs> I mean, for, for sure. Actually, my son, my son had did it, and I told him I was doing it, and he said, Dad, this is going to be your 30 seconds of Iron Man. It's going to happen right there in that time. Because I, oh, I have this weird, you know, and I don't know if it's a, just, yeah, Iron Man, for sure. Yeah. And so you want to do it again, right? I do, yeah. I do. Except the only thing I don't want them to do is because they spin you like this. They, they let you fly it. And so, uh, you know, when you get a little older, your disequilibrium doesn't quite work out. So when I hit the ground, I was like, ooh. <laughs> so it was a little if like you a vomit, does the vomit go up? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Well, so. uh, this is, you know, ever, so much of what we do points to today as the beginning point for so many in their walk. It is a sacred day. Every 51 Sundays a year, we have sacred days, but this... This day is, you know, you and I have been doing this for so long, and it just never gets old. Freedom. I mean, it just never Freedom gets in life, old. guys. It leads it, to it freedom. It is. It just and, it and leads I, to the capital if, L life. Yeah, and, and you and I, if, if the baptistry were a plane, we would push people in. <laughs> yeah. Because we would say, you, I'm telling you, you won't regret this decision. So would you pray this down right I now will. for you? Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, come to you now and just thank you for this day that we can gather, that we can be part of a, a message and understanding that just leads us to a, a life that's different maybe than what the world would have for us. And it's in this decision today, uh, I just pray for the people that have made that decision that this is a renewal of, hey, I know why I did this and I want to live that life. And I also pray for the people that are uh, making the decision that uh, welcome and we're so excited for you to the beginning of this great adventure that you're in. I also pray for the people that are right there on the edge of, I just pray for courage. I pray for courage just to, this isn't about anybody else. This is, this is about you and God and the life and the love that he has for you and the freedom that's available to you. And I just pray, Lord, that today is a day that, is, that you'll remember for the rest of your life because of the decision 
that you made to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we just give this whole experience to you leading up to this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Just give it up for Frank. Thank you, buddy. Oh, man. Wow. Uh, so, uh, Frank leads men's ministry in particular. So if you're looking for a group life, you're looking for to get into Christian community Wednesday morning, Wednesday night. Also, that video was put together by one of our Players Box kids, Malachi, 16 years old. And I want you to know, you know, we're seeing Bailey Risk is really leading a neat group of Players Box kids involved in audiovisual um, art. And as a matter of fact, you'll see that in coming weeks. And uh, that video was put together by a 16-year-old Players Boxer. So we're very excited about that. I know, it's so cool. Next generation. We have another session coming up September 13th. So if you haven't registered for that as a parent, parent of, of, of any age kid, or as a middle schooler, high schooler, September 13th is when the next session, six-week training, is coming up for you to enter into the Players Box community. It is not a seminar. It is a way to begin the process of learning how to train. And I'm having to stress this this week, I believe firmly, because the possibility that I did not manage stress for a lot of years until I studied, started studying the principles that we teach in Players Box. So if it won't save your golf game, it will save your life, very possibly. And uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. Also, today is huge because today, uh, I think the last count was 89 people being baptized. And it's, it's because you give. It's because you give. And I, I want to impress this on you, gang, that you make this possible by your generosity. So many of you tithe. You give 10% of your income to the local church. And then there are some of you that go beyond that. That's just your starting point. That's your basement, not your ceiling. And, and I want you to feel the Holy Spirit honoring that today. And, and as you watch those lives and the stories represented by the baptism, that you hear the Holy Spirit going, you keep going, girl. You keep going, guy. Because no one who has ever given to me will, will regret it. The eternal kingdom of Christ will never fade or go away. And these people are, are making a mark that they've entered that kingdom. Because of you, it, it's possible. Now, we've been in this series where we've been looking at, at your life and, and what your level of discomfort or comfort in life and how that, ooh, it may collide with you wanting to also to follow the one who took up a cross. And I was reading these numbers about hu human beings, and a, one scientist calculated, listen to this, how are you going to live your life? Listen to this. One scientist calculated that the odds of you being alive the odds of you being alive right now are 1 in 10 to the 2,465,000th power. That's a 10 with 2,465,000 zeros behind it. And look at it this way. The scientist said this. He said, here are the odds of you being alive. Look at it this way. It said, take 2 million people, and each of them is holding a trillion-sided die. You know, like the die that you have when you play a board game. A trillion-sided die. And they all roll the die, and it rolls to the exact same number. That's the odds of you being alive. Oh, you're an accident. Right. Right. You're an accident. And, and when I hear that, I just get chills because the, the idea 
that we would waste our lives in what the adversary would want us. He would want us to waste our lives in comfortable destruction. That's why we call debauchery, the word for debauchery, it means waste. We use the term get wasted. Why? It's a waste of life. It's a waste of life. And, and this day confronts all of us with how are you going to live this one in 2,465,000th life? <laughs> well, the odds of you being alive, well, how are you going to live it? And I'll answer that for you, for Jesus. And you won't regret it. You'll never regret it. Because his kingdom shall never end. And he looks at his followers one day and he says, hey, hey, I, I, want, you to be, I want you to be clear about this. Look at this. Remember this? Remember this? He called the crowd to him, Mark 4, 834, to ask uh, to, along to his disciples. And he said to them, whoever wants to be my apprentice must know one thing. You're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And follow me. Now, a part of that taking up is something we want to point to today that is uncomfortable. And look what he said in verse 38. He said, now remember, part, and a part of this cross would definitely be they would testify about the resurrection of Christ. And he says, now if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. He, he, he looks at them and he goes, gang, I mean business. Now you're giving your life. It's for me. It's not to build your kingdom. It's to build my kingdom. And you're going to testify to my resurrection, to my eternal life. Now, as Austin said last week, people like the most influential Christian of all time, the Apostle Paul took this, and in Romans 1.16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, for the righteous will live by faith. He said, no, I am not ashamed of this. He gave his life. Tradition said he was crucified, he was killed, rather, because of his testimony for Christ, as were the other apostles. Why? Because they couldn't help but speak about the resurrection of Christ. They were not ashamed of Christ. So with Paul, he'd go around starting these churches, and he would raise up leaders. And look what he says to Timothy. Look what he says to Timothy, the young pastor. He says, Timothy, now remember, remember, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. So, Timothy, do not be afraid of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be afraid to testify about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in being comfortable with the gospel. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Join with me in suffering for the gospel. Suffering for the gospel. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done. Nobody is saved of that life because of their own merit. No, no, no. But because of his own purpose and grace, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. You were drafted onto Team Jesus before time began. Now, whether you answer that call is up to you. You've been, through Christ, chosen. Whether you choose to sign as a free agent and say, I'm on Team Jesus. I'm not on Team Me anymore. I'm not on Team X. I'm on Team Jesus. Whether you decide to do that or not, it was decided before the beginning of time that if you did choose, then, look, revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, you are a part of the team where he has destroyed death and brought light and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that, Timothy. Don't you be ashamed of that gospel. 
Now I want to say something to this. I speak especially to men here, but to all of us. One of the reasons that people are ashamed of Jesus is because they have a false concept of Jesus' person. God bless it, but whoever drew that picture of Jesus, you know it, the, the famous, the most famous portrait of Jesus. Do you know which one I'm talking about? You have it in your home, I know. I don't mean to blaspheme here. But, because the, so this, this is probably the predominant image. He has, a, he has a real smooth complexion, flowing hair that he looked like he used conditioner. And he has Estee Lauder makeup on. And he could be a model for GQ. Am I, not, am I right? I'm not... I, he could be a model for GQ. And, and so a lot of men in particular are ashamed of that Jesus. Uh, you know, I don't know. If that is your image of Jesus, would you do yourself a favor this morning and erase that image from your mind? Because I know that's not the Jesus that would cause the religious leaders to be threatened by him. That's not the Jesus who especially, basically, harbormen, fishermen, would would give up their jobs on the docks, essentially, and say, we'll follow you. We'll give up our life to follow you. People were threatened by that man. No, not by that man, but by the real Jesus. And if that is your image of Jesus this morning, and you're just contemplating whether or not to testify about our Lord Jesus Christ, erase that from your mind. For example, Isaiah 53, 2 says, he had nothing of beauty or majesty that we should desire him. There was nothing in his appearance that we would want him. Uh, I hate to break this, but Jesus probably wasn't an attractive human being. But he was a man who inspired men. For example, he was a tecton, which was carpenter. And carpenters in those days had to fell the trees. He was a lumberjack in a sense, but also tectons in a, in a world where there wasn't a lot of wood, they had to handle stone. So Jesus was essentially a combination of a stonemason and a lumberjack. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the forearms of a, of a lumberjack or a stonemason, but they're not exactly wussy. That, I'm not saying he was a bodybuilder, but I am saying that there was a strength in him. He hung around the water a lot, so his, his, sin would, his, his skin would not be smooth. It would be bronzed by the sun and, and wrinkled by the salty spray of the sea that he hung around. He, he was, a, he was a, the individual who, when he walked into a room, he had an aura about him. Think about Jesus, first of all, his physical condition. One historian calculated that during his three-year ministry, he walked 5,000 miles. And we think we're in good shape if we walk 5 or 10 miles. Jesus walked 5,000 miles. I mentioned a few weeks ago, Jesus walked 70 miles to be baptized in the Jordan River. I told you a few weeks ago, I estimate it's about 70 steps to get to the other side of that wall. <laughs> I mean, he was a physically... He was, he, was, he was not a person that you necessarily would mess around with. Emotionally, oh my. I love this. Go through the gospel sometimes and just look at the emotional strength of Jesus. One of my favorite stories in Mark chapter five, they're in the region of Gadara and there is a demonic man who lived in the hills of Gadara. And just after the feeding of the 5,000, it's almost nighttime, Jesus and the disciples land on the shore of Gadara. Okay, so envision this. It's dusk, the sun is going down, and you're walking off the water where you just are probably feeling like Frank Crockett out of, uh, jumping out of the plane because there's been the storm, there's been so much going on, and, and you land on, a, on the shore of a cemetery. That's where they were. And as they land on that shore, this wild man possessed by so many demons they can't count, they only call him legion. 
he comes running at them full speed, yelling at the top of his voice. Now, what would you do if a roided up Marilyn Manson comes running at you at night in a cemetery? What would you do? You, you know what Jesus did? He stood there and he said, he stopped the man in his tracks by asking him a question, what's your name? And the man was taken aback. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm a legion. I'm a mob. I'm not a man. I need healing. And Jesus healed him. Think about that. Or what about the cleansing of the temple? You know it. The, the, the priests had turned the Old Testament institution of animal sacrifice into a complete mockery. If you brought your lamb in for sacrifice or your animal, they would say, oh, sorry, doesn't pass inspection. You're going to have to buy one of ours at double the price. One historian says they had a $5 million business going just from the sale of animal sacrifices. And Jesus comes into the temple, and it's in the area of the Gentiles, because they don't care about the Gentiles. They don't care about people that they consider to be lost causes anyway. And he can't hear himself think from the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen, the barking of the merchants. And, and he comes in there, and he realizes the Gentiles cannot worship God. And what does this weak, uh, placid Jesus do? Uh, fellas, fellas, tonight when you pray, you really ought to pray about this. This is a no-no here now you're doing. That's not what he did. He grabbed a whip and with fire darting from his eyes and the muscles in that lumberjack's arms standing out like cords, he walked across the temple floor. He turned over the table of money. He shouted to those merchants, get out of here. It is written, my house will be a house of prayer for everyone. For everyone. Now get out. Now if somebody walks into your millions of dollar a year business and disrupts it, what are you going to do? You're going to grab them by the collar and show them the front door. You know what the scriptures say? And no one dared oppose him. but he gave himself up. And a few days later, they come back with a whole mob for just one man. Think about that. They bring an army to arrest one man. It's one of my favorite passages. They, they come into the garden, it's night, and he stands up. As he sees him coming, he stands up. And they come in, he goes, whom do you seek? John chapter 18, look it up. And they said, we are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. And he said, I am he. And John 18, 6 says, when therefore he said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. He allowed himself to be arrested because he said, I don't, no one takes my life from me. I give it up for you. And then after mock trials and spitting and abuse where he didn't retaliate, he didn't utter a word, they took his arms and they wrapped him tightly around a post and they whipped him. And you say, well, 39 lashes. No, 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 he didn't receive a Jewish scourging. He received a Roman scourging and they were unlimited in what they could do. They would usually beat someone until their back was like strips hanging. Seven out of 10 people never made it through the scourging. They never made it to crucifixion. There's actually a Jewish historian, an early Jewish historian said he got a letter from Pontius Pilate where a soldier who was with Mary at the cross, when she walked up to the cross and looked at the three criminals, she said, which one is my son? Because seven out of 10 people probably weren't recognizable and they still yelled crucify him and Pilate brought him out and 
he said these words. He said, behold the man. Because that's what he was, wasn't he? The man of men, the, the Lord of lords, and the king of kings. And then they crucified him. No, no wonder he stumbled on his way up to the hill. Seven out of ten people wouldn't have made it in the first place. And finally, he gave up his spirit. But he was so powerful that even the grave could not hold him. And I am not ashamed to testify about that Jesus. Are you? Are you? He said, I am establishing my kingdom on earth. It is a simple kingdom. It is a kingdom that will turn this world upside down. By the power of my truth and grace, I will turn this world upside down. And he literally did. Rome fell within a few hundred years to the very movement that it sought to stamp out. And today, if you're wondering how you're going to spend your one and only life, I would tell you, I will push you out of the plane to say, give your life fully to Jesus Christ. Step into the discomfort of identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection. Step into his kingdom that will never end and you'll never regret it. Listen to this song. Before you do, there are a number of you who have already registered for baptism. To prepare you, I'm going to ask you to now exit the back doors. For those of you who have already registered to go out the back doors and then go out the building and we're going to get you ready to witness your identification with Christ's burial and resurrection. If today you said, I'm, I'm jumping, then you go out and go to your left and go to the baptismal area over here where we can give you the proper clothing and the towels necessary for you. Listen to this song as we do that. So today, if you hear, heard his voice, don't, don't say no to that kingdom because it'll never end. It is the kingdom that has brought light and immortality to light. And uh, does our world need this kingdom? Yeah. So badly. And today, uh, we would, we're ready for you. If today you've made a decision to make Christ the Lord of your life, the leader of your life, the king of your life. Now, the rest of us, are going to join with the angels because in Luke 15, Jesus said, when one sinner turns to Christ, the angels rejoice. The angels put a banner up in heaven that says, welcome, Maggie. Welcome, Michael. This is one of the most poignant pictures. And today, you make sure that you join your church out there and celebrating these people on some level, everyone it represents a story that a book could be written about. And we join together and say, uh, angels, you got nothing on us. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna celebrate. And uh, so let's do that now. And we just pray in Jesus' name that these lives would all be yours, Lord. And everybody said, amen. amen. We'll see you out there.